This is Scott Richmond, the director for New York, New Jersey for ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, coming to you from the front lines. ADL is on the front line every day fighting anti-Semitism and hate, and this show brings that to you from the WVOX studios in New York. A front line these days in the battle against hate and anti-Semitism is undoubtedly social media. While it has many benefits and gives people a voice, it also gives haters a voice. Once a year for the past four years, ADL has surveyed this community to discern the degree to which people are experiencing hate and abuse online. We just released the survey results for this year, and they are disturbing, to say the least. Here to tell us the results and what they mean is Jordan Kramer. She's ADL's Director of Policy and Research at our Center for Technology and Society. Welcome, Jordan, too, from the front lines. Thank you, Scott. Glad to be here. So let's start with the headline. To what extent are users experiencing hate and harassment online? Pretty extensively. We found that 40% uh, of Americans, of adult Americans, um, 18 and over, experienced some form of harassment um, in their lifetime. Um, and 47% of youth ages 13 to 17. Which groups are these? Who are the most targeted? We find that LGBTQ plus people um, are uh, every year have been the most targeted, but we also found this year a spike in um, harassment against Asian Americans, which also really concerns us. And is that targeting hate-based, or is it just that, that this group is, is somehow experiencing this? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. We we see both um, kinds of harassment. We see explicit hate-based harassment, which we uh, which means to us um, harassment based on one's identity for people in marginalized groups. So for Jews, women, people of color, LGBTQ+, they experience, um, uh, marginalized people who are harassed experienced hate-based harassment um, at, at almost two-thirds, 65% um, of those people were harassed for their identity. But we also see disproportionate um, experience of, uh, experiences of harassment uh, among marginalized groups for any reason, not just because of their identity. This is the fourth year that we've done this survey. Uh, what's new this year? As I said, um, one thing that was really important to us is that we were able to add youth 13 to 17 for the first time. So um, we were able to better understand how, um, how youth are experiencing hate and harassment. And it, it concerns us that they experience it even at uh, an even higher rate. Um, and they similarly experienced hate-based harassment uh, at a slightly higher rate. Is this taking place on all platforms? I and mean, where where did you uh, where did you see this taking place? Well, maybe not surprisingly, but Facebook is the platform where um, where the most people reported experiencing harassment, um, and that was even true among youth, which surprised us because youth spend less time on Facebook than on other platforms. Um, and we even tried to control for uh, for the fact that Facebook is the most popular social media site. So we compared where people were harassed to the sites that they said they spent the most time. And even controlling for that, Facebook was just um, far and above the other sites in terms of the likelihood that you would experience harassment there. Um, but that being said, Instagram and Twitter weren't, weren't far behind. Um, and interestingly, we found YouTube and Reddit were among uh, the least likely, although you, the, the rate of, of harassment was still high on those. It could be the sort of nature of Facebook as a as a site that has a lot of text and commenting, and uh, you know, Twitter is is perhaps primarily used for uh, commenting on the news of the day. Like these are different kinds of sites. Yeah, I also 
think is that Facebook has a lot of uh, private or semi-private groups, and so I think it may be that a lot of harassment happens that um, that you might not see, whereas every just mo- much more of what happens on Twitter happens uh, in public. So let's talk a little bit about what happens after they've been harassed. Are, are these people reporting the harassment to anybody? You know, not as much as one would hope. Um, so people do report the harassment, but in um, in many cases, in many cases they don't. And even when they do report the, report the harassment, frankly, uh, platforms don't do much. Um, so 47% of adults said they reported, uh, so they didn't even bother to report um, because in some cases it wasn't worth it, but in some cases they, they don't think that enough will be done. Um, so this was uh, specifically for physical threats. Um, for those who did, uh, the plat- 26% of the platform didn't take any action. Uh, another 19% said yes, the platform deleted the content, um, and 10% said that they that they blocked the user. But you know the the rates of, re- of responsiveness from platforms are just um, really disappointingly low. So should people report? What's your view? Yeah, people should absolutely report. I don't think there's any downside to reporting. People should report, you know, early and often. Um, I think it um, not reporting doesn't doesn't help. Okay. Now, I feel like we've made a lot of progress in the past few years in terms of removing hate from social media. Why is the survey continuing to show consistently high levels of hate and harassment? Yeah. I mean, we did see a, a slight decline uh, in year over year. We, we started tracking um, uh, people's experiences over the past 12 months. So we are able, this is the first year we've been able to do a year over year comparison. And we did see a slight drop, about five points. Um, but that drop was not matched. That was matched, that was sort of in overall harassment. We didn't see a corresponding drop in severe forms of harassment. So that's things like um, stalking and sexual harassment, um, doxing, um, which is having your personal information exposed online, and swatting, which is having an emergency call made um, to send police to your house. Um, and we, we didn't see as much a decline of those. Um, the, um, you know, we, we don't find that these policies, frankly, are, um, are making a huge dent in, um, in stopping hate and harassment. It could be lack of enforcement, as you mentioned before, as well. The enforcement not, is, is definitely inadequate. And um, other research that we do at uh, the Center for Technology and Society at ADL really uh, supports that. All right, so let's talk a bit about recommendations. The report devotes significant space to recommendations as, as to how to fix this. Can you um, briefly walk us through some of the recommendations? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, there's a lot that can be done. In fact, we know what needs to be done, and we need tech companies to step up and do it. Um, they need to ensure they actually have strong policies against hate. I mean, until, um, until recently, a, a number of major platforms didn't have... Um, um, some policies that ADL thinks are really important, like uh, Holocaust denial should be um, prohibited. Um, so we've advocated pretty strongly for having stronger policies against hate in the first place. Um, again, that's something a lot of social media platforms have finally adopted. Um, but then they need to actually enforce their policies. So you, you read their content, um, you know, their community guidelines or their um, uh, terms of service, and they say that this kind of content is unacceptable. Um, so, you know, hate, harassment, and so forth. And yet it's really easy to find. You know, we regularly find all kinds of um, extremist content, anti-Semitic content. Uh, and we do report it to the platforms, and we are able to escalate our reporting. And the platforms often still will tell us, oh, this doesn't violate our policy. Um, so they need to improve their policies, but they need to do a lot more to actually catch um, hate and harassment. We have our own um, 
uh, automated detection system that we've been using to try to detect anti-Semitic content. And there's just so much really obvious, you know, low-hanging content that they don't remove. They need to make their data available to independent researchers so that we can better evaluate their efforts. Um, and they really need to center people who have been experiencing hate and harassment um, in designing their products and services. Because when they don't have diverse teams, when they don't have people who understand what it's like to be targeted, um, then the products don't reflect um, what, what um, people who are targeted need in their design. So is your hope that uh, with this report there will be uh, real changes made? Um, I mean, are you bringing this now to the social media companies? Yeah, I mean, we're in regular um, conversation with social media companies, and um, many of the, um, a lot of the research that we that we do has um, motivated them to change their policies. But um, at this point, I think, um, you know, it's clear that pressuring social media companies isn't enough, and government needs to step in and regulate. Um, we're advocating for a bill in California, um, AB 587, which is a... Uh, um, a bill in the California um, State Assembly to uh, require that uh, tech companies uh, report on their content moderation policies and report on their enforcement. So it doesn't tell them what those policies need to be, but it provides you know legal redress if they're not um, enforcing them. Um, so what we, we want basically is mandated transparency, um, which we have for financial, um, you know, the financial parts of these companies. We should have them for their uh, content moderation as well. Tell us briefly about your path. How did you become a person who assesses the state of online hate and harassment? Sure. Well, I'm actually um, trained as an academic anthropologist, and I was studying social media, particularly emerging media practices. I um, spent a year doing field work in Berlin, and I was teaching um, uh, at NYU, and I began moving into tech policy research, um, which actually motivated my interest in studying technology and, and sort of social life all along. Um, so I kind of came full circle and um, moved back into tech policy. Wow. Uh, an amazing path. And, and just last question, there's so much more detail uh, to this important report. Where can people find it if they wish to read it? Sure. If you just go to www.adl.org, I believe it's on our homepage right now. Perfect. Uh, so we will put a link to that in the show notes. And with that, I will say thank you very much, Jordan Kramer, not only for this important report, but for the work that you and ADL's Center for Technology and Society do every day to fight hate in digital spaces. And thanks, of course, for being on today's show. Thank you. It was great. And, of course, a big thank you to the listeners who tuned in to From the Frontlines, either live on WVOX 1460 AM or as a podcast. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or on Spotify to ensure that you do not miss a show. Just search for From the Frontlines. And please engage in these important conversations throughout the week by following me on Facebook and Twitter. My handle is at Scott A. Richmond, and our hashtag is fighting hate for good. <laughs>